the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNOW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. If you have a money question for the show? Shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. Well, it is... This is the September 29th show. So we have one day left in the quarter. And we're in the fourth quarter of 2021. I cannot believe how quick this year has gone. It's insane. Now we have a lot of things going on. We have that Evergrande deal. Evergrande, however you say it, in China. Um, you know, Pumping money into that. Too big to fail type of a situation. We have debt ceiling negotiations. We have, will the Fed stop or slow their purchasing of bonds? That's the likely scenario. That's why you've seen a pretty decent rate increase in the last week. We have supply chain issues. Hearing it from every business owner I know. Whether it's uh, network equipment in a new office building, whether it's paint whether it's plumbing supplies for builders, doors, windows, whatever it may be, there's supply chain issues all over the place. Now, with those rising rates in recent weeks, utilities have been down about 14 days in a row. That's a sector that's somewhat sensitive to real to, to interest rate increases, that in real estate or REITs. We've got oil at a multi-year high over 80. So that's you know obviously pretty heavy in terms of talk of inflationary issues. Um, let's go over some of the, the asset classes. So where are we at for the year? Obviously, the market is it, it, it's way up for the year. I mean, we're looking at total return year to date um, for the S&P 500 up 17.15%. Not too bad. So it's even after this little bit of a pullback that we've had. Up 17.15% for the year. That is a really good rate of return. So let's look at some of the different sectors first. Uh, well, actually, no, I want to look at the some of the different asset classes in, in terms of small cap, large cap, international, international in terms of developed and emerging markets and some of the bond indexes. So first of all, you heard me talk real, real positive if you were listening last year during the major correction uh, about small cap value. It had fallen too far. It was already cheaper so far for the year. That's one of the big winners. If I look at IJS, iShares, S&P 500, small cap ETF, up 26.8% for the year. 
Check this out. Some of the real estate ETFs are up huge too. RWR up 25% for the year. IYR, which is iShares version of real estate, up 22% for the year. What's interesting is is we had a, a little bit of a resurgence of some of the value stocks recently. And this has been an interesting race to watch all year is Invesco's equal weight S&P 500 ETF, which is RSP, versus let's say IVV, which is iShares core S&P 500 ETF. So the S&P 500 itself is a market cap weighted index. You'd think that, hey, I'm investing $500 into the S&P 500, the largest 500 companies in America. Each company is going to get a dollar of my money. And that's not the case. It's not the case at all. In fact, 6% of it's an Apple. It's a very heavy weighted to the, to the largest companies where it's really 50 companies making the majority of the move of the S&P 500. It's up 17.17%. If you look at Invesco's S&P 500 equal weighted, where you would truly have $1 invested in each 500 companies, it moves it down the line into more of, of, of some of the smaller companies and then some of the value plays. So that is now up 20.5%. So it's again ahead for the year for the first time in a few months. Pretty good returns there. If we look at the Russell 2000, which is going to have a mix of small and mid-cap stocks and a little bit, a lot more kind of biotech-oriented stuff. So it's Russell 2000s, 2000 stocks versus the IJS, which I mentioned I share small cap value. That's 600 small cap value stocks. So IWM is, is iShares Russell 2000 ETF. It's more broad kind of swath of small and mid-cap companies of 13.59% for the year. So small was beating large for much of the year until recent months. Small growth really pulled back. If I look at some of my favorite styles of investing, which is dividend achievers, um, dividend achieving type investing, if I look at VIG Vanguard dividend appreciation, which has really kept up with and or beat many years in the last 7 to 10 of the S&P 500 is lagging a bit at 11.45% total return. And that's because it was one of the hottest asset classes kind of ways to invest in large cap for a while. So it's lagging a bit. Um, international developed. Who would have thought it would have beat emerging markets at the beginning of the year? But EFA, that index ETF, MSCI, international developed. So non-emerging market international stocks up 9%. Whereas we're looking at emerging markets down 1.94% between COVID and China. Um, you get, you know, a lot of times in like VWO or EEM, you get a pretty decent size exposure to Chinese index. And, and that's not what you want right now. You want active management, in my opinion, in, uh, in emerging markets. And there will be a time, if not already, to um, you make sure you have exposure to some of those China stocks. But I would let the active managers sift through the ashes and figure out what they want to buy in that area versus ETFs. So keep that in mind. If, if I take a look at some of the returns of different sectors, because there's 11 different sectors in the S&P 500, right? Energy, the big winner this year, up 44.2% if I look at XLE. If I look at XLF, that's up 30, almost 31% for the year. That's the financial sector. If I look at XLRE, that ETF is up 25.46% for the year. XLC Communication Services up almost 20%. Um, and then XLK, which is, you know, kind of pulls out tech stocks out of the S&P 500. It's, it kind of pulls in some of the different uh, 
categories, whether it's even some communication services and tech stocks. It's up 16.5%. And if I look at healthcare, XLV is up almost 14% for the year. Consumers discretionary up almost 14%. Industrials up 13.75. Materials up 12.91. There's probably some room to grow there. And uh, let's see, consumer staples, XLP, only up 4.87% for the year. And XLU, that's utilities. Down is, is positive still for the year. It's been down lately, but 3.69% rate of return for the year. So those that got a little bit spooked about investing, you've missed out on some pretty phenomenal returns. And if you have a ton of cash on the sidelines, and we're going to go through a period of volatility, what a great time to start averaging your cash in. The best way to invest is typically just put it in because the market takes care of us over time. It's 70% of the time it's positive, 30% of the time it's negative. But if you're sitting on a bunch of cash and you haven't invested, it's sometimes just more comfortable to say, look, I'm going to go in evenly every two weeks over a four to six month period until I'm fully invested again. And stop making those mistakes of going all out just when you get scared and then you miss out on huge returns like we've had in 2021. It's been quite a run, that's for sure. We do have some volatile times coming between higher wage demands, supply chain issues that are kind of continuing. There's a lot of companies pre-ordering a bunch of kind of goods to stock their shelves that they're afraid of, of running out of supplies again. So we don't really know what the, that data is going to look like 6 to 12 months from now. Um, but the market takes care of us over time. It, it really does. It's positive 70% of the time. And this is another amazing year. So was last year, even with that big dip that we had in March and April. The market will take care of you over time. When it gets volatile and scary, that's when you try to buy more. I hope you've had your coffee because now we got to talk taxes. Let me finish a little quick discussion on the market so far before I get into tax proposals. And you know, obviously, a lot has to happen before anything comes into law, but it's going to be moving right down the line. So, first of all, um, one of the strategists we use at EP Well to look at um, just kind of macro market issues and to see where we want to lighten up on allocation or go in more on some sort of an asset class. Uh, Strategists, they say that uh, they think treasury yields will be at 1.75% on the 10-year treasury by year end. It's currently at 1.54%, but that was after a 22 basis point move in the last week. That's a big move on uh, bonds. 22 basis points, that's okay, that's 0.22%, right? So is it 1.32% yield just a week ago? So if you look at something like AGG, which is an ETF that tracks the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, it was down 1.21% over that same period of time. So we've had a pullback in bonds. That index, the Barclays Aggregate, is negative for the year. Basic index of of tax-free bond funds are still slightly positive for the year. And by the way, when I say basis point, what is a basis point? Well, 1% is 100 basis points. Okay, So 50 basis points is a half a percent. So when I say 22 basis points, it's 0.22%. So a lot of people in the mortgage industry or the financial planning world talking basis points, it can get a little bit confusing sometimes. So 1% is 100 basis points. Do the math from there. Um, now, what could be causing some of the volatility in the market is people selling right now, people taking some gains off the table. And the current proposal isn't as bad as the original one, but there's some, there's some garbage in here for sure. 
Um, first of all, uh, you know, I do not believe that taxes should go up at this point until we have some fiscal responsibility out of Congress, until we have somebody that takes a look at where we put our money in this country. I don't feel taxes should go up. I don't feel that I know how tax returns work in terms of brackets and standard deductions versus itemized deductions and, and what's fair and what isn't. Cause I've been at all aspects of life. I grew up single mom, poor, had a job since I was nine years old, delivering papers, had a job all through high school, busing tables, got my insurance license, got my, my uh, securities license and eventually CFP. I've been working my entire life and eventually, you know, now I'm doing well. I considered, you know, a, a high income earner. But it took a lot of years of business building. A lot of years. I remember, I remember being 23, getting married, you know, not much money, not really no money in our family at all. Um, uh, and so, you know, I'm paying for what the, almost the majority of, of the wedding, a little help from my grandfather at the time. And paying for this wedding, realizing that I'm not going to be able to make a uh, quarterly tax payment. So I'm like filing extensions constantly. You're always trying to get to the end of the year as a business owner, um, continue to file extensions so you can save up enough money to fund a retirement account to reduce your taxes from the previous year and then make the payment. And that felt like my life for a long time, building a business, building a financial planning firm. I remember driving to Seattle to meet with a client one time to make $50 from Portland, Oregon. And, and most of that was gone in gas, but I had to build a client base and eventually create a company that you know employed people and was eventually acquired by EP Wealth. And you know here we are. A lot of these high-income earners are business owners and they create jobs. right? And paying more taxes is fine if we know where it's going. Right now, it's going nowhere in terms of helping homeless people because there's no mental health care in this world. I swear. It's just... It, it, the, if you look at Portland, Portland is ruined. Stop trying to move to Portland. It is a garbage town full of graffiti and drugs and crap. It's, it's horrible. It, 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 I mean, I can't tell you how bad it is. So until our money's being used properly, I am totally against any increase in taxes. Just I'm going to put that out there right now. To, to say that wealthy people don't pay their fair share is garbage. Just try to sell a home for a million dollar profit in the Bay Area. You're going to lose 39.1% of the gain to the government between the new 25.8% federal capital gains tax and the 13.3% state. Does the government have the right to take 39.1% of the gain on the home that you've owned and paid into for years and years and years? Without having anything to support, it, it, money just flows overseas to garbage. Now, now, so, anyways, I'm going to tell you what's going on here, right? Before you get too pissed off about it. And there's a Forbes article of of from nine seven by Robert Wood, and he said, "Are retro tax a retroactive tax increase is constitutional, even fair?" Up until now, the tax rate on capital gains since 2017 has been either zero. 15% or 20%, depending on your income. There's now a new top rate of 25% that would apply to long-term gains attributable to taxable income over 400,000 for single files filers and 450 for joint filers. So 
huge marriage penalty. There's not a point to get married under this, that's for sure. But that is lower than the top rate that was 39.6% originally proposed by Biden. So when I got into the business, capital gains taxes were 27%. So it's still not as bad as back then in 93. Um, but it, it's, it is an increase. And the problem is, as, the, it, as it is written, that would be in effect beginning September 14th if it's passed. Now, I don't believe that it will be retroactive. I believe that between court fights and lack of capacity by the IRS, I don't believe that it will be retroactive. I could be wrong. So if you're trying to trim something that you knew you're going to sell anyways, and you're like, well, I might as well sell some of that stock or that piece of real estate now and avoid a 5% increase in taxes, just know that you could get it hit with that retroactive increase. It could happen. The only time I've seen it happen that I can remember is when California passed it retroactively that, to that top 13.3% rate on state income taxes. Good old Brown passed that through and, and nobody really knew what was going on. And that was a retroactive tax. Caught a lot of people off guard. But at the federal level, if they do it, it's going to be attacked in court. And I think it's a bargaining chip. I think it's a bargaining chip for repeal of the SALT limitations and just to get something passed before the end of the year. So I'm still telling people, if you need to trim next year, just go ahead and trim now because you might escape that 5% increase in tax. You may not, but I would still probably do it anyways. But that's where you're going to see a lot of selling and rebalancing going on in this fourth quarter as people try to navigate this proposed change in taxes. So looking at, you know, instead of... 0, 15, and 20%. It's 0, 15, and 25%. Remember, there's that 3.8% uh, Medicare surtax on incomes over that 4450 level or so. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. Going over some of the tax changes today. And so I'm just kind of going over some... Our, our planning department uh, gave this out to all advisors just to say, okay, here's what's under current proposals and what we're dealing with. And the biggest one is the capital gains rate of an increase of 5%, which is better than originally proposed. But the bad thing about it is this retroactive, um, as it's written, beginning September 14th. And I, I don't buy it. I seriously don't buy it. Um, I'm telling people that if you know they need to create cash for their safe money reserves in retirement, which is typically three years worth of portfolio draws, or they know they're going to sell something next year anyways, early on, I just do it now and, and just hope you don't get hit with a retroactive 5% tax. Um, the, you know, one caveat of that is, is that if you pay the California taxes and there's no salt deduction, uh, limitation removal, then, you know, I guess you, you're kind of giving up that. So there's, there's that to consider in California and Oregon, but I just don't feel it's going to be retroactive on anything. The IRS doesn't have the capacity. There's going to be a ton of legal fights. It's acting in bad faith. Um, yeah, so I don't see it. Now, there's a new top ordinary income tax bracket of 39.6% proposed. And then there, the current 32% and 35% brackets will be shrunk. So less money will qualify for those brackets uh, before it gets bumped into the next bracket. So 
there's going to be less money into the 32% bracket, uh, more money that goes into 35. And then the top of the 35% bracket gets limited and it jumps to 39.6. So that new top rate of 39.6 would apply to single filers with taxable income in excess of 400,000 and joint filers with taxable income in excess of 450,000. If you have two successful people together in a partnership, it's like why why get married? <laughs> that's that's what they're trying to do here. All these marriage penalties, right? Instead of eight hundred for joint filers, you only get a fifty thousand dollar bump. So um, there's this application of the three point eight percent net investment income tax now to high income S corp owners, effective for twenty twenty two and beyond. So if you have high income and you're an S corp owner. And you're over 400 single, 500 joint. There's a 3.8% tax, and then you've got another boost on top of that. It's it's just way to penalize business owners. That's going to be either less jobs created or an increase in prices in order to pass that on to consumers. Um, and, and again, none of this is effective yet. These are all of the under the current plan, but something will get passed soon. There's a new 3% surtax for Uber high, or they call it Uber high income earners. If you have uh, uh, income in excess of 5 million adjusted gross income for single filers and joint filers, no difference in the threshold at all. 3% surtax. And by applying that as on adjusted gross income rather than as just top ordinary income bracket, um, Things like charitable deductions won't reduce the tax. That's not good. That's not good. That's poorly written. Um, and if you have a trust, like if you've set up a irrevocable trust for kids, or you've got like a you know any kind of trust that pays its own taxes before it goes to other people, the surtax would impact trust income in excess of a hundred thousand dollars. There's more caps on the maximum amount of that QBI, that 20% pass-through deduction that was enacted in the 2017 Tax Act. Um, the provision would limit the amount of the total deduction to no more than 500k for joint filers, 400k for single, and $10,000 for trust and estates. Um, that's they were trying. That's better than what was previously written in, in Biden's original proposal. Now let's talk about estate planning. This is there's a there's a lot going on here, a lot. Now, first of all, the good news for you, there's no proposed elimination of the step-up in cost basis. So when somebody passes away, their non-retirement accounts, you know, things like your brokerage account or your own stocks in your own name jointly with a spouse or in a living trust or your real estate, that typically gets a step-up in basis and your heirs can sell it tax-free in terms of capital gains. Now, you're, those, those assets are still subject to estate taxes if your estate's large. But there's no more elimination or, or, or a limitation of the step-up in basis as originally proposed. That's great news. That's great news. I'm not sure it's the right approach. I think they should get totally rid of the estate tax and totally rid of the step-up in basis and just make it you know fair. Um, I don't believe the government should have a right to look at a you know somebody that's built a huge business and say that oh you're worth over eleven point eight million dollars 
we're going to take 40% of that amount because we think we can do a better job with this money than your family or their next generation. That's, that's garbage, in my opinion. And I make a lot of money avoiding that tax and I think it should be repealed. So, um, and, and then just repeal the step up in basis and make it, you know, a little, just normal. It just, uh, anyway. So what's, what's that means that, you know, that home that you own in the Bay area that you were, geez, man, if, if, if the step up in basis goes away, I'm going to go ahead and sell it and pay the taxes now and move on. <laughs> now you got a bigger decision to make. Um, the big one, though, is this reduction in the unified credit amount. So look, right now, as we sit, we have about $11.8 million each that we can give away while we're alive to anybody or die with it without facing estate taxes. The new proposal is reducing that to $6 million. So if you're single and over six, well over $6 million and your financial plan projects that even with you know, drawing on your assets for retirement, you're going to be continuing to be worth more and more. Or if you're married next to 12 million and after you've done your very detailed retirement plan and you're drawing on your portfolio, but it still shows you're going to be worth more and more at basic rates of return with inflation and taxes, you should carefully consider making large gifts prior to the end of 2021 if you can see an attorney. Good luck. That's the tough part right now, getting in to see an attorney. Now, th- there's some good stuff in here for family farm or family businesses that I'm not going to go into. Um, there is a crackdown though on grantor trust planning strategies. So on a previous show, I talked about one of my favorite uh, no-brainer approaches to getting some assets and the future growth of those assets out of your state is a SLAT, a spousal time lifetime access trust where, you know, if I'm the older one in the relationship or less healthy, um, I could take, you know, a good chunk of my community property, separated separate property and put it in a spousal lifetime trust where it sits in trust. Um, you know, the, the goal is to get it to the next generation to get it to my kids. But if all else fails and I need that money back, the income can go to my spouse as long as they're alive. Now, if they divorce you, you're eh, good luck. <laughs> they're still getting that income. That's the risk of it. But this, the, the income can still come back into the estate. And the language, which is intentionally defective grantor trust, means that you set up this trust, it goes out of the estate, and you're still paying the taxes on it rather than the trust itself. And they say that's kind of just a way to gift excess money and they're, they're, they're under attack. And so there's a good, you know, again, they're trying to say as of enactment. So we're not sure how this one's going to play out. If you've already created one and you want to gift more into it, that's what I've been focusing on. So I've been so busy with those clients of mine that have dynasty trusts, GST trusts, uh, slats, and they have large estates. We're just making additional gifts right now and trying to calculate how to do that. That's what I've been very, very busy with. Um, Under proposed regulations as well, there's this elimination of valuation discounts for non-active business assets. So one of the things that I've seen a lot of that I've always thought was very aggressive anyways is where families take a very large portfolio of stocks and real estate and other issues and they create family-limited partnerships and then they say it's you know 
multiple owners and then they take this discount. So they'll take a $10 million investment portfolio, put it into a family limited partnership and then gift it and claim that that gift was only worth say 700 or $7 million. But yet they gifted 10 million out of their estate. So there's no more 30% type of discount for uh, non-active business assets where where they say, well, there's lack of marketability and, and there's minority ownership because it's a family limited business, family limited partnership. That's not going to fly anymore um, under this proposal. Okay. So again, none of this is law yet. They got to make it all this back and forth. But here's some other interesting things in terms of attacking something that shouldn't be attacked. There's a future prohibition on Roth conversions for those with high income after 2032, which doesn't make any sense to me because anytime people want to move money from their IRA to the Roth and pay taxes on that, the government gets their money early. But under this current proposal, they're saying after the year 2032, taxpayers with income over 400 single or, or 450 joint would not be allowed to do an IRA to Roth conversion. And check out how they're attacking the backdoor Roths. Ugh, stupid. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back talking about all this interesting tax proposals under this current plan. If you want to shoot me an email, just go to chadburton.com. Going over some of these proposed tax changes... Increasing capital gains tax is a big one because the current proposal is to make it effective as of mid-September. That's retroactive. I Again, I don't buy it. There's even a question whether retroactive taxation is constitutional. Justice Sandra Day O'Connor once warned that retroactivity over one year would likely violate the due process clause. Justices Anton Scalia and Clarence Thomas called retroactive taxation bait-and-switch taxation. Uh, it looks to me like a bargaining chip. So... Went over that. Just uh, go to the podcast, go to iTunes, you focus on wealth, and you can rewind that whole thing. Because the other thing that that, that I want to talk about is some of these um, issues with retirement account changes that are being proposed. And, and there's a retirement crisis in America. And I also want to say that a lot of people go a long period of time in their life without being able to save a lot of money. Right? You start a job, you're making payments on your student loans. You kind of get those finished off. You start making a little bit more money. Then you have kids and you're buying diapers and formula and all those kind of stuff. And then the kids get through college and then all of a sudden you're, you're hitting your stride on your career and you're making the big income enough to afford a house in the Bay Area. And now they're going to start putting some limitations on what you can do for saving for retirement, which is stupid because... There's a crisis in America between those that have saved and those that haven't. And so they should make things easier versus harder. But right now, there is a future prohibition on Roth conversions for those with high income earners that they want to start putting in play in 2032. So there's a deadline for people that want to start converting IRAs to Roths all at once or over a period of time. Under this plan, you'd have until 2032. There's no more con- conversions of after-tax dollars effective 2022. This is so stupid. Again, they should just open up the Roth IRAs so that people save for retirement and there's no issues with it. When you make a certain amount of money, you have, 
you've made too much money to fund a Roth IRA directly. So we talk about the backdoor Roth IRA where you make a contribution to a non-deductible IRA and turn around and convert it to a Roth. If you do it right, it can be tax-free. Um, they're talking about ending that effective 2022. Same with the mega backdoor Roth inside the 401k that we've been talking about so much. And that would apply without regard to income. It doesn't matter how much you make, you just can't do it. That's just awful. I mean, it's that, that is just not going in the right direction. Um, they're talking about new required minimum distributions for a high income and a high net worth clients or people. Let's just say that because this came from our planning department. Um, if you have a retirement account, uh, balance in excess of $10 million, you'll have to take higher required minimum distributions. Um, so, and they're, they're quite large. So it's trying to kind of get, there, there's certain people, you know, out there that like Mitt Romney made some investments into startups and things like that using retirement account funds and it just blew up in value. Um, you know, along the way, they created really good businesses that created a ton of jobs. So good for them. There is, what are some of the other ones? There's some, there's, they're attacking how people can use IRAs too, which is not that big of a deal for most America. Um, IRA owners can no longer use IRA funds to invest in private businesses in which they own more than 10% of the company. Officers, directors, and similar individuals cannot use their IRAs to buy into private businesses at all. No more using Roth IRA owned uh, discs or fisks to transfer value from personally owned businesses. Um, it just, just some of the other things that's, that's going on here. The, the biggest issue I think that you want to think about is talking to your tax advisor about you know whether or not to sell something now. If you have too much in one stock that you know you're going to trim you know, next year anyways, it, it's a tough decision because if you trim now, you could still get hit with a retroactive 5% increase in tax. I doubt it, but it could happen. You know, I, I could be wrong. And also, remember, there's the state income tax. So in California, it's you know, 9 to 13.3%. So if you're at a million dollar gain on something, you're paying 13.3% state along with federal. And that state income tax right now is, is really, for most people, it's limited. There's the SALT state and local income tax. If you add up your state income taxes and your property taxes... You can't write off more than 10 grand. But that's a bargaining chip. It's a tool. There's a lot of people that want to repeal that or at least get it up to 20. So just keep in mind that if you sell this year, you're you're probably not going to benefit from anything they do on the salt side. But don't let taxes ever be the primary driver of selling something you need to sell. If you're way overweight in the stock, especially if it's Large cap growth related, it's gone way up in value and trading at a really high PE ratio relative to its relative to its revenue growth. And you know you need to trim, just do it. Just diversify, especially if you're within 10 years from retirement. You can't afford that single stock risk anymore. So keep that in mind. Um, so far, I haven't really seen any more attacks on 1031 exchanges in this in this update from our planning department. If I hear anything about that, I will for sure let you know. The other big point of this whole show too is if you're single with a $6 million or more overall net worth that is projected to continue to grow even though you're retired and drawing on your assets or 
or 12 million if you're married filing jointly, then you need to get in to see your estate planning attorney to, to consider certain types of trusts and gifting going forward. And look, even though this law is passed, or even though once this law is passed, it'll create some changes and some, I, I've seen the estate tax level change so many times in the 28 years that I've been doing this. When I first started, we could only pass 650,000 onto our heirs. Now it's 11.8. If it goes down back down to six, we can still solve estate tax issues going forward. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find me at chadburton.com. Links to the podcast, contacting me for financial planning help and investment management help. It's all at chadburton.com. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.